0: Hey everyone, it's time for another episode of Major Crush. Welcome to Santa Barbara County, home of some of the most storied wines in the world. Our journey into this unique sideways growing region turned out to be such a fantastic adventure. And we're so excited to introduce you to a new friend of our podcast, Greg Brewer of Brewer Clifton Wines. As has been the case this entire season of Major Crush, We're practicing some social distancing during this interview. But the soulful and beautiful way Greg Brewer talks about wine had the power to connect us on a deeper level. Every winery we visit features some of the most spectacular wines we can find. But as I think you'll soon discover, there's something truly special about Brewer Clifton wines. Major Crush, Episode 8, The Brewer-Clifton Interview.
1: It's always exciting when we get a rock star. Yes,
2: we are and super stoked about today. And we have a rock star today. with us today. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, we've got Greg Brewer of Brewer-Clifton. Uh, his story's great. Uh, and I just can't wait to dive into it.
2: Dive into it. And also, we've his wines are fantastic and we actually get to try them of course so we'll leave you all feeling thirsty as well
1: yeah this is beautiful greg thanks so much for doing this and uh and thanks for hosting us. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank and, uh, you for
3: coming. Such I'm a really beautiful happy to tasting, meet you all.
2: tasting room. Oh, thank
3: you. I'm glad yeah. you enjoy it. Yeah.
2: So
1: you're you're kind of, a you know, I mean, could you you're, say you're one of the pioneers of the Santa Rita Hill?
3: It's
2: kind here? of a big deal. You could well, say that.
3: Well, <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's a flattering it's a flattering overture, but not really. I think, um, I mean, not at all. If you think about it, I, I think you know, for me. Richard Sanford is the true pioneer, right? So, Richard planted here in 1970 and 71, right? Um, Which I was born in 70, right? So, I mean, he was here where nobody was here, right? It was just open landscape. Um, So he, you know, he was the, he was it. And and he, you know, over the course of, I spoke on his behalf just a couple of nights ago on something when he was honored. I've spoken on his behalf countless times (laughs) over the past 20 years. (laughs) But, um, you know, he he is the nucleus of this Appalachian. He started it all, and, and he's like a very spiritual kind of core to what's That's happened. That's what I've read about him. He's, yeah. bu- he's such a beautiful and man. he pioneered screw caps. To this yeah, but, but he's just, he's everything. His when kindness and generosity and composure and awareness. And so... You know, Richard really you know set that in motion, and mm-hmm. then you know Pierre Lafond and the Babcock family and a handful of others in the in the you know late '70s, early '80s. Um, I came to the area in '91, right? Okay. So I'm I'm very much. You know early-ish you know if you think about the continuum of yeah. the wine region that's what it felt um, like. but like the second pull on the relay you know what I mean yeah. so that's Richard got the team together Richard determined the race the uniform yeah. <laughs> you know and he was the one out of the blocks when like no one knew what Good was going description. on I love really, that yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm simply you know leg two or three even you know and yeah. I'm running like hell and I'm not gonna stop for a while um, but, and there are going to be a lot more after me, which is beautiful, and mm-hmm. I'll hand the baton off. But, but that, so, and I think I really benefited from that. You know, the, the, doors, the doors were cracked open already in Santa Barbara, and even, you know, the, the, the landscape of Santa Rita Hills, we hadn't articulated it um, in the way that we did in the late 90s, but it was here. I mean, the wines were known. Mm-hmm. Sanford of Benedict, Babcock, Mount Carmel, etc. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's uh, so that's how I see myself.
1: When you went to work at Santa Barbara Wine Company, well, like that was that the first like sort of tasting room and winery up here?
3: Um, yeah, they were the first post-prohibition winery mm-hmm. in the county. So Pierre started Santa Barbara Winery in '62. Yeah. Um, '62. Yeah, yeah, purchasing fruit because the first commercial vineyard was '64 with the Nielsen okay. Vineyard. So Pierre brought in fruit, fruit wines, a lullaberry, raspberry, different things like that. Oh. Um, and so, yeah, that was it in Santa Barbara County, in Santa Barbara City, I should say. Um, and then Pierre planted his vineyard, um, the original Santa Barbara Winery Vineyard in the mid-70s, um, right down the street. Um, and so that was, that was it. And so I happened upon that job when I was teaching French at UCSB as a part-time job. I thought right. it'd be fun. Yeah. Um, but that, that set my career in motion. Right. Well, what attracted
1: years. you to French? That's what I—I I, I was reading about your yeah. cur- your curriculum vitae, and you were teaching French there at UC uh, SB. Yeah. Why? Why French?
3: <laughs> why not? No, I um, I I think a lot of us are, are. I love teaching. That's my favorite thing in the world. And and most of my family has taught or t- t- yeah, still your teaches. Yeah, right. Yeah, everybody. And so dad. I love that. I love working with servers and distributors. Things like this. It's great. Um, to present concepts to present ideas and so um, that resonated with me and then Yeah, I think we're all just drawn to certain things when you're younger and 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 mostly You know a lot of us are inspired by teachers as well, right? Yeah. So yeah. I had an amazing French teacher in high school and okay. early on In uh, language has come kind of pretty easy to my family for whatever reason okay. I'm genetic. I don't know um, I'm really bad at history, but I'm good at it anyway. <laughs> and, um, and so that's uh, that was it. And so I knew I wanted to major in French when I was like 11 or 12. It was like wow. pretty early on. I was in my fraternity house. I'm 21. I'm teaching French. I'm stringing tennis rackets. I'm like just partying and being yeah. a 21 year old frat guy, basically. Yeah. And I saw the ad in the newspaper and I thought, oh, well, how fun would that be? Five bucks an hour, five fifty an hour, like meet people, drink wine, like for sure. And so I applied, and I didn't get the job because I didn't know Chardonnay was a grape, which is really funny. <laughs> um, and I knew about wine, I lived in France, I knew about wine, I knew right. Beaujolais. I mean, I had a sense of that, but I didn't, I didn't put two and two together, like Chardonnay's a grape, so I no Monk's a grape and that was part of the i mean that was kind of a deal breaker for that job as a <laughs> and so um, and i thought oh my god i'm shoo-in like you know i'm like confident and work hard i speak french like i got this gig no problem yeah, uh, right, right. um overconfident frat guy obviously. and um, and then uh, <laughs> but then fortunately for me someone else gave notice and i was their second pick oh. and so thankfully that was my foot in the door um, and then one day behind the bar i knew this would be my life and what's interesting is that Santa Barbara Winery's Vineyard um, is in what would become the Appalachian, right? It's right down the street. So and and our three D vineyard's ten yards away. It's like from me to you. And so, you know, I'm professionally born here, right? And and for thirty years I've worked on Highway two forty six. And I think that is important because it informs the reason why we do everything that we do. Yeah. That we'll probably get into in this conversation. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think I have a question just for our listeners who aren't aware. I think we're in Santa Barbara County, we're Santa Inez. Maybe just a little breakdown of the, the of region the Appalachian yeah. I think would be really valuable.
3: Absolutely. It's a confusing yeah. region. It's super confusing. Yeah. yeah. It's super confusing. Um so what, the, the thing about Santa Barbara is, is that, you know, there's the town of Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. so people think about, you know, it's beautiful, it's, you know, Oprah, royal families, whatever, yeah, yeah. And, and it's it resorts and expensive and great, and that's fine, and it is kind of, right, and, but it, it's, it's a more gentle landscape down there. You're facing the south on the Pacific, and the water's different, everything's different down there. You make your way up the coast to where we are, and actually, you go northwest, which is weird to think oh, of going yeah. west from yeah, like, a coastal town. But we but when you I'm do. My GPS, I'm going. What? No, it's weird. Yeah, yeah but, no, but the, so, and the reason why that's important is that in Santa Barbara, to finally answer your question, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful one. Is that we have three valleys that run east to west mm-hmm. right which is very peculiar normally mm-hmm. mountains are north to south right, right. and so oh, we
1: heard it's the only place
3: in yeah only in only maybe you know i, I usually avoid like oh, a the, super oh, like the, definitive the kind of yeah, but it's a very rare circumstance <laughs> yeah. to have valleys that yeah. run east to west and, and what that does is a lot right so normally If you have mountains that are north to south, they're also beautiful, but you have lines of defense that protect you from a strong geographic circumstance. Like from the Pacific Ocean. Exactly, it's like an army, right? So if you are up on the Sonoma Coast, the first ridge line is like the front, like infantry people, right? Uh-huh. And then a few ridge lines back, yeah. it's warmer, it's more protected. It's like the general smoking cigars with whiskey, <laughs> telling the front people what to do. I mean, that's I kind of how it like works. It really Comparison. is. Our, our <laughs> army is sideways, right, hence the movie. So our valleys open up due west, and, and we respire this ocean. And the ocean that we have, about 10 miles behind me, us, is different than Santa Barbara, It's colder. It's more savage, it's more, um, it's less like let's hold hands with balloons and cotton candy. It's more, it's freezing, there are white caps, it's like, it's that, right? It's more rugged, what carnal, elementary yeah. ocean. Um, so that's what informs our landscape and then the soil is that too. It's, be, it's sand and plankton fossils. It's very stark, it's very cold, it's very windy.
1: Is it less limestone than up in Paso down here?
3: It's different. We have a lot of sand and what's called diatomaceous earth, right, right, diatomaceous. right which is plankton fossil.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. plankton fossil. Like the right bank a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, Greg, I, I've i just always been a huge fan of Santa Rita-style uh, Pinot, Santa Lucia, and being from Sonoma, we get those really good Russian River and Sonoma Coast. Uh-huh. So, Santa Rita, though, I can pick
3: it out of a crowd.
1: And why is that? Does it have to do with the east-west mountains or what, what is it?
3: Yeah, it's, it's a very finite appellation, right? It's by California standards it's really small. If you think about it, it's like five it's miles tiny. north to south yeah. and about eight miles east to west. And so it's a very kind of finite expression of place. Um, and I think that helps with the identification, you know, and we have a very long season. We have a very predictable season. There's really, Kind of a different type of unbridled like intensity i think in all the wines that um, might be one of the cues and indicators that Maybe kind I of gives you that know.
1: intensity because that's what it's like there's something very
3: savage about santa rita that i love right there's something very raw and yeah. like carnal about santa rita that that really speaks to me um, and i'm not at all inferring that other areas don't have that capacity no, but just, already, there's something but very like we always that can tell a
1: santa rita wine yeah there's a
3: savoriness and an energy and like a, a something yeah something some, some, some kind, kind of, of yeah is like there's
2: something to what you were talking about how the mountains run east to west rather than north and south so they're not getting protected from that ocean air so it's much cooler, you're getting more fog.
3: it's, it's it, Yeah, I mean it's a lot of things. I mean yes. everything about the landscape informs the wines, mm-hmm. right? And the outcome of the wines. And so the extended season, the soils, the lack of rainfall, the wind, the fog, you know, all of those things I think collectively I agree, yeah. kind of are transmitted through the wines, regardless of the aesthetic, right? So regardless of you know, the interpretation by the colleague, right? If it's barrel fermented or steel or this or that, there's always that. So there's something it's savage, it's also kind of serene, I think, as well. Just like an ocean can be, there's a confidence about the wines, because I think a lot of us are confident with the landscape. Mm. Um, And there's something really, you know, pretty intense about them as well.
1: So... um, be it do you guys be in sandy soil how deep are the root are they very deep roots
3: pretty deep yeah they kind of keep cruising down right and, well, and for sure. a lot of vineyards it's just 20 30 feet of sand right and they just kind of keep doing their thing Keep going down because
1: mm-hmm. i get a lot of minerality that's what i was asking that. and then two um do you dry farm or no
3: we can't because
1: it's so sandy we, we get
3: eight or ten inches of rain a year i mean yes. it's like running a marathon without water i mean you it just it the vines would die. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah, so everything's drip irrigated and okay. Yeah, for sure.
1: Hey, Meredith, I want to uh, start a winery for twelve thousand dollars.
3: Yeah, we were
2: reading about how this started. Nineteen ninety-six yeah.
3: was your yeah. nineteen
2: ninety-six was your first <laughs> yeah. year, and how you I know, and um, your partner came together and created yeah. the other part, Brewer Clifton. Right. <laughs>
3: yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been a good run. It's. Uh, you know some highs and lows for sure <laughs> like, like any like relationship or 25 years of doing anything um mm-hmm. but you know it all worked out great it took us a while to save the money to be honest um because oh, we you know we made seven eight bucks you, an hour you know so um and so yeah living in santa barbara i mean it was not the easiest thing but we we did and um and it was you know we were well received which was great you know we worked hard and you know we knew people and And we're creative and frugal and you know Mm -hmm. um and you know really took care of growers and paid before the pick even i mean we did what we you know yeah um and then we were able to sell wine pre-release in a very strong futures program called at the wine cask restaurant Mm -hmm. down in santa barbara which is where our logo is taken from the ceiling of the restaurant
1: yeah Yeah.
3: and 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 so that was helpful um and then just selling the wine out of our car and (laughs) Um, you know, doing it that way. You know, yeah. we'd I'd go and you know, as, try to get a sales appointment. You know, you read up on the famous restaurants and stores in San Francisco, whatever, and and secure appointments. And thankfully, because of Jim Clendenin and Richard Sanford and the people that came, Brian Babcock, people knew of Santa Barbara, so yeah. they gave us a shot, which is a, a beautiful door opener, as I mentioned yeah. before. They were the ambassador. I mean, they were the first thing. Yeah. Um, and then it was interesting, you know, we'd get an appointment and show the wines, and if they wanted the wines, you know, they'd ask about delivery, whatever, and they'd be like, well, <laughs> how about now? <laughs> it's in the back of my car. <laughs> how many do you want? <laughs> it's it's like the whole guerrilla warfare, you know, bands with cassette tapes in the back in the trunk. I mean, yeah. it's that stuff, you know, yeah. like. Pushers, like being nailed on wall, you know, it's like, it's that, it was that That's air, was that energy.
2: What was your, so that, it was like your first 200, 240 cases that first year, was it Pinot Noir only? or did Chardonnay, you ever, Pinot,
3: we've never wavered, they're right behind you the, on that so wall. So Chardonnay
2: and Pinot were the same, always.
3: That was it. Yeah. Burl is really more ritual than winery. Okay. And, and, and by that, what I mean is nothing has ever changed here the wines are always raised the exact same without any bias or prejudice from vineyard to vineyard, block to block, clone to clone Um, and and we always knew we'd be in what would become Santa Rita Hills and at the very beginning we worked with one vineyard that was here called Sweeney Canyon but then you know we also relied on a couple up in Santa Maria which is just to our north which Mm. I think you might want to ask about you know the difference in the valleys here. and then and then you know people were planting vineyards in this area and then we were able to become completely santa rita in 2001. but we've never changed i mean literally the wines you know we can't say on your podcast but the, the wines on the wall behind you there's 20 years worth the wines. No, no two bottles are alike so the 96ers are right behind you oh, and yeah. so we've never oh. changed package we've never changed purveyor we've never changed anything We'll post a
1: picture of this wall on our podcast. Yeah. So the
3: '96s are the bottom left corner. I you did know, not in both other, the yeah. year, years on there. Yeah, so and that's definitely. the and that's what I mean by the discipline. It, yeah. It's very exacting. It's not for everybody, you know. But it's it's a it's a pursuit here which erases oneself. It really minimizes ego, um, and it as a result I think it emboldens place. Yeah. And it um, because it's it's not about me or us or anything else because we always do things the exact same.
1: Well, let's get into a little bit of that style. So, yeah. the first one we have here, what is this? This is a Chardonnay. So, that's the
3: 2017 oh, Santa Rita Hills. Beautiful color. Oh, that's thanks. Beautiful gold. So, that is um, a collection yeah. of all of our estate vineyards, um, all wow. raised the that's same. Aroma, and a key, a key thing about Brewclifton is neutrality. Okay, so. Um, there's no new vessels in the building at all. Everything is very, very old here. So there's a reverence for that. There's an importance placed on history in that regard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the barrel age is anywhere between 10 and 25 years old. Oh. Um, barrel fermented, but really, really old yeah, wood. So no mallow lactic, really, no stirring of the leaves. It's, it couldn't be done in a more really, elementary no fashion. Malolactic no mallow and no stirring no. the leaves. Mm-hmm. It, it does
1: taste story. like a... Um, almost you know it has a to me like a chablis Mm
3: -hmm. yeah well there's something there's something very in areas marked heavily heavily, areas that are marked heavily by an ocean influence Mm -hmm. i think share a certain kinship they arrive at the 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 wine speaks in a different way it's a different dialect but you think about that loin through france right of Mm -hmm. sancerre chablis and champagne and it is very specific to those regions, and they're all unified by the the soil profile, the oceanic soil profile. There, mm-hmm. here too, it's you know this has been under the water three times mm-hmm. geologically speaking, right? Mm-hmm. So this too is very beachy, mm-hmm. um, and I think as a result, particularly the Chardonnays in the area have a a sal- like a lemon lime salt kind yes, of oceanic yeah. tendency. Like it feels mm-hmm. like. That that crystal, like your your mouth right now, like yeah, you, it feels true. like when you jump in the ocean, right? And you have that kind mm-hmm. of drying, salty, yeah. kind of feeling, and and that to me is yeah. that's the indicator with Santa Rita, and that's why it's so beautiful with food, Perfect right? Wine. Like it's, it's a, a condiment, f- with right? Food. Lemon, lime, and salt. What does that do with food? It lifts, it cleanses, yeah. it elevates, it makes the food taste more like the food. Yeah. that's, that's nice. what it is, and that's what wine should be. Like this should finish a dish that should harmonize with a dish I think
2: this is great and one of the things that you brought up and sometimes when we're talking with our listeners just because not all of us are in the wine industry i certainly didn't know is that different you talked about no malolactic fermentation and we've talked a little bit about this some chardonnays choose to go through it some go through partial malolactic Uh maybe just explain because you're so good with your analogy yeah kind of that difference with one one that yeah why did you choose not to sure
3: so with, with wine with white wine in particular I, I frequently see an image of like an hourglass in my head right so if you picture let's go back to champagne that's a great example so i love champagne it's great the weather is challenging there frequently, yeah, especially yeah. historically right so they need to harvest fruit before it's ultimately ripe mm-hmm. right in order to save it before the hail or whatever yeah. So it comes in with treble, if you will, or it comes in with like in the restricted part of the hourglass. And so the journey inside the building is one of embellishment, it's going outward, right? Yeah. So malolactic is a conversion of acid to go from malic, which is sharper, to lactic, which is more broad, right? So mm-hmm. that happens, time in barrels sometimes, time on the yeast in the bottle, on tirage, as it ages, dosage, the sugar add at the end, if someone likes to do it. They're, they're all going outward in trajectory. Mm-hmm. Here in Santa Barbara, my journey is the reverse. Reverse. Right, because I'm in Santa Barbara. I I can pick food in December if I want. I mean, it's a, it's, it the right. weather here is pretty ideal. Yeah. Right, that's why it's expensive. And so so the the aesthetic here is it's just it's it's not better or worse but i'm I, I see myself at the bottom of the hourglass so i'm capturing all the weight and viscosity and curvature from the fruit the upbringing is one of restriction cool ferment no stirring no mallow yeah you're right? wide and neutral and down. going down that way right so it, it's not and it's the same with anything else in life right if you have a a lean piece of meat, right? What do you do? You you need to tenderize it with something. You pound it out, you flesh it out with something. If you have a fatty piece of meat, you keep it propped up. You sear it, or something like toro, pork belly, that type of thing. You don't pound pork belly, it would turn to mush, right? You you sear it, you have to frame that, you know, you have to prop it up. And if you have something really lean, you have to break it down. Fruit's Mm -hmm. the same way, underripe fruit, same thing. Like you pulverize the peach and you put honey on it or something. And if it's really soft, Oh. your goal is to keep it from collapsing. Oh, it's the same, it's the same aesthetic, right? It's Brilliant. fruit. I love
2: the food in so that's
3: So that's what, that's what mallow is anyway. So we, we generally discourage it to kind of keep the wine. I know, um, but you know
1: what? For no lees stirring and nothing to this wine, I usually, really when, I, when I pull out layers and yeah. texture, uh-huh. I, I kind of lean towards that they've stirred the lees. Yeah. And
2: just, this has
1: this velvet on my tongue.
2: It's it's unbelievable. It is. It's, I'm you're like just enjoying. letting the, the grape showcase what it's done in a lot of ways. You're trying you're not doing lot. You're spoiled, a lot. Greg. Yeah. I am. <laughs> I know.
1: Boy, that Chardonnay is oh. really something, but I'm looking that, at this Pinot. Yeah. And, what, and um look at I am such a huge fan of Santa Rita style pinots yeah. and what do we have that what's this one all about?
3: So that's our Santa Rita Hills Pinot yeah so that's all of our blocks and clones and vineyards um, from our estate. Something a little bit unique about Brewer Clifton's interpretation of Pinot is we ferment predominantly as whole clusters so, I know, the whole cluster. Wow. Right, okay. so whole cluster fermenting, normally with red wines, um, the stems are removed, you ferment the grapes, right, which is kind of like a fillet of something, right? You, you know t- take the protein off of the skeleton and, and raise just the fillet, which is fine. Um, fermenting with whole clusters is, is akin to cooking a protein with its skeleton, like a chicken breast on the rib, yeah. burning a piece of meat, a whole fish, that type of thing. Not better or worse, but a different upbringing, and one that is. Reliant upon the whole system being intact and the proportions of the system being appropriate to be raised as such and We do it for a couple of reasons one We we see the stems as an inherent part of the cluster like a skeleton in a body. Yeah Mm -hmm. Um, and additionally and and it, it seems appropriate to kind of Exploit a tannin source from within the system that we've created ourselves I like that. right I like that. because the ones in super old wood Right, so there's no tannin derived from oh, new oak. It's all a stem derivative tannin yeah. um, and then and also in Santa Rita, you know, the pinoir has a tendency to be Exuberant and exotic and big and lush and sexy and beautiful right and and, um, and a lot of people celebrate that style and it's gorgeous there's also an opportunity with that style to frame it a little bit. So I see the pinot here being very circular and very lush and dark, like a circle or curves on a body. And stems almost act like a corset or something. It, okay. it cinches wow. up the curvature a little bit. It, it renders the wines a bit less obvious oh, and a bit more word, suggestive, picture. right? Um, sorry, and I um, wish I could speak like and, that. and also when you ferment, and then the stems. We have a lot of fruit here, but right? we, we have that in spades, and so. The stem participation kind of quiets the fruit down a little bit and keeps the wine a bit more savory from an aromatic standpoint. Yeah. And then on the palate, there's a drying kind of tea-like, savory, soy-like tannin, right? Yeah. So that substantiates the wine, it keeps it dry, keeps it kind of clean, if you will. Um, and so that's, that's, and that's always been our aesthetic. We've been whole cluster since the beginning. Yeah. This is but it's not a
1: drying tannin it's
2: like no. it's mm-hmm. there's the a brightness to it
3: mm-hmm. with that
2: acidity in there definitely yeah
3: and when you do a whole cluster you're fermenting all the berries whole right mm-hmm. and so you've got this kind of really perky high-toned beautiful lifted fruit mm-hmm. um, even with the fruit being as kind of rich and intense and as ripe as it is when we bring it in yeah mm-hmm. no, so that's that I, too is the, the geometric Uh, Clone on this. Pardon?
1: Well, it feels like I'm tasting a cleric clone on this is yeah There's a pan
3: full of things. There's about a half a dozen clones in there. Yeah Yeah, there are two that we rely on the most Um, One is called 37 which is from our friend uh, Mary Edwards up in the Russian River. It's her clone um, That she isolated. Yeah, that she isolated from the Mount Eden vineyard in 1974 Um, And then the other clone we work with a lot is called 459, but it's mostly Mary's, clone 37. That's really become the core of our wines. It's just,
2: I think of it, it's very Uh, elegant. It's a very elegant, class, like a very classy wine
3: to me. (laughs) I'm
1: glad.
2: (laughs) That's how Pinot should
1: be. It's
2: so well balanced.
1: It's almost in the category, Meredith. I would... I would only drink this if I only drank Pinot's.
2: Yeah, no.
1: I would only drink this one. You no, sure that to everybody. Huh? No, I heard you. No, I can't no. wait to <laughs> taste this other one. I mean, no, Greg. Don't tell Adam. That's my, <laughs> yeah. that's my jam right there, brother. I am noticing, uh, Greg, you've got these different. Um,
3: labels. Uh-huh. What's Outside going on with of that? Clifton. Yeah so you know we started Brewer Clifton in 96 and it was mm-hmm. my partner Steve Clifton and myself mm-hmm. and we were together for about 20 years so that was and then we parted ways in 2015 um, and, and so that was the Brewer Clifton part of the model and then in 2005 on my own I started Diatom which we'll get to in a second Diatom Chardonnay and so that was a very personal project of mine, um, a very singular, very solitary, almost deviant project of mine. And so that was, that started in 05. And then in 2016, um, we launched Ex Post Facto, um, which is the, the youngest of the kind of triumvirate of labels coming out of our campus. Um, and so, especially when Ex Post Facto came to be, then when we had three, it kind of made sense to better identify the three that they 're all very specific in purpose mm-hmm. and aesthetic, yet they share a fundamental ethos right in, in, in that in that regard it 's no, it's not dissimilar from a chef right like yeah. the French laundry and mm-hmm. bouchon bakery and whatever you know what yeah I mean? there 's yeah. there's a, a way that people operate in a composure and even body language when you go from any of those establishments mm-hmm. right um, yet they 're very different i mean you 're going to a uh, walk up espresso place or a you know, four-hour, three-star Michelin thing, and they're a couple hundred yards away. You know, and so that's kind of the the thing where it's it's very, it's our hands, it's our approach, and there's certainly a lot of things that unify the three projects, but they're distinct enough that it wouldn't have made sense to throw them all under the BC oh, label. I see. Right? I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see. Because BC is so. I mean, they're all. I use the term pure. There's inference that other things aren't pure, and that's not my intent. But they're, they're sort of very singular, I guess, about Borough and, and to do anything, to insert anything into that would right. break it. No. You know? that makes, so, the re- that makes yeah, makes the sense. reason
1: I said it, it looks like the next wine we're going to do is a diatom.
3: A, a diatom is a plankton fossil. I, you know, in, in life, um, I was not very vulnerable, very stark, very true to the landscape here. And so that's what gave birth to diatom. Okay. And um, also, in life, it's interesting, I, I think, you know, if, when, when one starts with a luxurious raw material, there's sometimes a tendency to embellish on that luxury, right? You know, lobster claw, and you think, oh gosh, I'm going to go butter cream, <laughs> caviar, go right. crazy. And that's fine. Um, you can also take that same lobster claw, or the other one, <laughs> um, <laughs> And, and slice it thin in a sushi bar, right, with mm-hmm. yuzu and some trance music and sharp knives and a guy with a bandana. And, and And it's still valuable and luxurious, but it's a completely different result, yeah. isn't it? It's not cream, old-school puff pastry filling decadent. It's, like, refreshing and citrusy and intense, right? Yeah. And so... That's the study here. So a beautiful old vineyard called Bar M, about 15 minutes away from where we are. Is that also Santa? This is Los Alamos, Los yeah, this Alamos. is just over the hill. Yeah, this we is just out of the there AVA.
1: We Yeah, cool, it's yeah, yeah, it's, it's right road, over there, right? <laughs> yeah.
3: um, And so a beautiful old vineyard there called Bar M, one block, one clone, and that's my self-imposed rule with diatom because it's a plankton fossil, right? And so it has to come from one little spot. Um, Which clone is that? It's clone 76, yeah. And so, um, but then that one parcel is harvested six different times over three weeks to layer the wine from the outside in because once it gets here, it's raised in the most elementary way possible, right? And so that tonality that you get by waiting. Is, is kind of like with an instrument, like violin, viola, cello, bass, right? It's the same instrument. Okay, yeah. But as it gets bigger, what happens? Yeah. The tone gets richer and deeper, right? And so that's what's kind of going on with how, and then it's all folded back together. So this ferments very cold, stainless steel, short hose transit, no stirring, no mallow, bottled early. So this is as primary as I know how to raise a wine. I mean, it like, it goes, it's like from the vine to the bottle is like, very truncated, but I wanted something pent up. I wanted something like a wave before it breaks, or when you inhale before you exhale. I wanted something that feeling and still big and lush and giving, right? And that's the juxtaposition with this wine. It's got so much flavor. It's a massive flavor, Chardonnay, yet it comes off super clean and racy and deliberate. So, so just to kind of, uh,
1: if I heard it right, you pick, you harvest at three different periods,
3: kind of, like a few weeks apart. Three weeks. Six different periods, yeah, over three weeks. Yeah, just to stratify the yeah, So they're the line like right. at
1: different levels of bricks. And, uh-huh. Yeah, what different a brilliant terms. idea.
2: I mean, I'm sure glad you only have one row or <laughs> to do of that.
3: It makes it easier. <laughs>
2: So I think listening to your story and the care that you take of the earth and making sure that it's showcasing and just kind of your whole whole approach. Do you think of yourself more as a winemaker or a grape grower?
3: Or Neither. Or really, <laughs> okay. it's interesting. I, I, I don't use the term winemaker because okay. I really don't see myself making anything. And, and mm. if you know when you think about it, my responsibility is a pretty short term steward. I mean, there's a a system at play, right? There's, you know, the vineyards and our teams there and everything else, but it's, Mm -hmm. we all work collaboratively. We're all very intimate. With that said, you know, the wines, the wines that are before you now, that's the result of a lot of things over a lot of years, right? So the the planting these vineyards 10, 15, 20 years ago, and the 20 years of farming and everything else, that is part of what that wine is about, right? And so if you think about you know, when when the fruit comes here at the winery, but it's under my watch for what, 10 months or something? Yeah. And then it's like off into a warehouse and into the media and salespeople yeah. and everything else. So it's, you know, my responsibility for that is very, very finite. I've thought about this a lot um, in the past several years, is that when you like sincerely give yourself to somebody else, right, significant other, Whatever it is, and you, you can be very vulnerable with that partner, right? You drop your sh- you, you need confidence in the person, right? So ideally, you you marry you, you espouse yourself to someone you have confidence in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a perfect world, I, yeah, <laughs> this is arranged and then you yeah. cross your fingers. Yeah. Um, but you, you have confidence in that person, and then you 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 don't erase yourself, but you you allow yourself to succumb to that person, or right? You give in to that person, and you drop your shoulders. You're vulnerable. You're naked. You're raw, right? Yeah. That's the point. And so because I've only worked in one appellation for 30 years, um, I've never worked anywhere else and I won't, right? I, I think you, you gain an intimacy with that place and, then, and then, it, then it becomes the decisions you make and the actions you take and everything else you do is just, it just is like breathing. It's like a common sense thing, much like with the partner, you know, you don't have to ask your partner, how was your day, dear? Every time he or she comes in the door, like you probably know. That's kind of what this is all about here, and that's why we raise the wines in neutrality. That's the reason why we do things the way we do, because it's there's trust in the landscape and of uh, surrender to the landscape, mm. right? So, winemaker, no, um, wine grower, okay, you know, but but that too, you know, it's just a title, and then and so does everybody. Yeah, I mean, our team is the one out there, you know, and they're out there exponentially more than I am,
0: yeah. and they know
3: the vineyard better than I do. And they know what I want more than I do, right? Because we know each other. That's the whole point of a partnership. You you know, for me to go out and say, hey, guys, Mm -hmm. I want this and this and this, that'd be really presumptuous and obnoxious. They know, Uh (laughs) right? They know the system here. They know what we're after, stem, ripening, fruit things, leaf thin, all that. They know, right? And so they know better than I do. And they have, you know, and there's a benefit of the doubt. There's a trust. There's a... um, you know, there's there's that it's not leniency, but there's just like with a good relationship, yeah. you know, like yeah. don't You know, if you try to micromanage a person, it's a bummer, right? And if you generally give, you know Assume someone's doing things the best they can for the right reasons. Then usually yeah. things work out yeah. Right? yeah, and so that's how I operate. It's the best. Yeah, it's the best way yeah. and kind of without titles and we all do whatever we do I mean, I you know get her done yeah, and it's a small business thing too. I mean, there's two of us in the building right now. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: Wiping the counter, waxing, tasting menus, pulling these wines out, and we're getting ready to bottle. And I've got two Zoom things tonight. I mean, like, but it's it's you do we need to do. I mean, you, you you're diverse. Adam leads the same. You know, like the, the the scrapper spirit in a lot of us are that way.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. That's great. So we're about to go into this ex post facto. Sirah. Sirah. Yeah. I'm so a that's. For Syrah. Not, I'd love
2: to know where that name.
3: Yeah, so yeah. that, um, it's, it's kind of a, it, it's a fun little kind of play, it's a, you know, it's a tiny little label, we make about 500 cases of that wine, just that one wine, mm. um, and, you know, means after the, you know, in the aftermath, after the fact, and it's, it's a legal, typically a legal reference, um, where, you know, you can't be accused of a crime if it wasn't a crime when you committed it, right, so I love that fragile threshold mm. of criminality, yeah. that's kind of ah. intriguing. And I'm yeah. going for Chardonnay and Pinot, right? So for me to do Syrah yeah. is, like, mildly illegal, yeah. deviant, naughty. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we kind of played on that. Yeah. And then the label design, um, yeah. my mom was a DA um, before she retired in sexual assault and homicide. And so as a kid, you know, I was raised, like, visiting her at work and, like, meeting victims and detectives and police people, you know, and I'd go to read the crime report and I'd go to court with her and, like... Oh, wow. You know, it was, yeah, I, I don't know if it was the best parenting, <laughs> but <laughs> it, was, it really? made me who I am, for sure. And, um and so I just love like, especially that era of like typewriters and detectives and that whole scene. And so, um, and when I was still in the literature world, my main interest of study was um, letter exchange. I, I, love, um, I love that type of literature, that kind of call and response thing. And, and, and the, the periods where, you know, someone's committed an emotion to someone, and that, that moment before the other person has received it, but you've relinquished that. If I, I have a crush on you and I write you a note and I drop the letter in the mailbox, you haven't received it yet, but I'm, it's gone. Yeah. Right. And, and just that whole, like, what goes on in one's psyche, I've always found really intriguing. And you kind of get it still with like, text messages, but it's all fast. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be like, yeah, horseback Horse weeks and weeks and weeks, but and then it was USPS, and now it's like half a second. But, but yeah. it's still, you still it's hit, hit send, right? There's still that. Anyway, so that was the typewriter thing so That's the preamble. So yeah, it's it's raised just like Pinot, you know, it's like a a late season Pinot Like a late turn in a restaurant. So it's like Pinot is our 530 to 830 seatings and Syrah's our bar crowd I mean it comes in in November and It's raised with the same care and intent Almost all whole cluster fermented long-time in fermenter really old barrels and that's that
1: but it has that nice Syrah tannins and spices and yeah this thing boy with
2: and where does the uh where's the vineyard for that is so that?
3: this one this one this year is actually in los alamos as well oh, so okay. we, we always just call this always three years always um we labeled the santa barbara county very deliberately okay. for different reasons but um yeah so it's a it's a vineyard up in los alamos but this is um you know it's a very cold climate syrah right and, and that's yes. syrah can grow anywhere It means syrah can grow I mean anywhere really um, and it's 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 always successful it's just different yeah. If it's more fruit forward if it's gamey if it's meaty if it's funky if it's peppery whatever and I think when it's colder as a climate it tends to be very kind of lifted and perfumey and mm-hmm. pretty yeah. and got white pepper blue flower kind of vibe sure. um, and more Pinot like in some ways it, you know It is. Well,
1: it is when I first smelt it when I was looking at the four wines I, I was calling Pinot on it the, the color it's deep much deeper but not wow. not that Syrah yeah. oh yeah Syrah
3: can be like yeah ink yeah, yeah. Um, and it's you know. not that at all yeah. um, but it's just kind of
1: but I and the the acidity on this is so perfect it's like it's bright it's not overwhelming but it's bringing this deeper Syrah notes that I love mm-hmm. that you have to dig to get in a typical Syrah it just like lays it on my top. it's just a it's so nice I'm glad you like
3: and it cool brain,
2: the, it's more to your point it's more perfumed than most Syrahs to me like yeah I'm, it's not as meaty and mm-hmm. you get there I mean it's always gonna have a hint of that but very very yeah very, it's very, prettier yeah, it's yeah, pretty it, yeah I would say it's a much more feminine yeah, syrah sure. than a masculine so I always think of Syrahs being a very masculine wine and this is a much more feminine mm-hmm. wine to
1: me I got one quick question that I wanted to ask earlier like how late in the season would you harvest for us, Compared to w- Napa, Sonoma?
3: Well, it just depends here. Typically, you know, we get started around the first part of September. Um, this, this year, like the second week maybe, but like the first part of September. Okay. Um, and I finished Syrah before um, the first part of December. But, but normally, oh, okay. the last of the Syrah is coming in by middle of November. So it's, you know, two and a half months of actually that harvest part. Yeah. And yeah. then we're in fermenter for a long time. So and it's, it's, it's it? not uncommon for me to press Syrah into mm-hmm. the new year. And what brick
1: level do you look for?
3: It just depends. Does. It depends. What's yeah. the average? I don't know, 24 and a half to 25 something and a half. Like that. probably. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's kind of.
2: But you have them, um, that was one thing, this area has a much longer growing season, which is. As
0: compared to.
3: Growing season, and, and also something that's overlooked sometimes, is the aperture for harvest is also very vast so it's it's a blessing and that you can kind of really articulate a why i mean you can kind of pick slowly and methodically over a yeah, long I mean, period because yeah. the weather just holds for the most part mm-hmm. um, as compared to some other areas where the, the season yeah. the window might be more finite oh, listen, up, right like, um, it's up like the go, the time, ve- time, it's yeah, go time yeah it's very right. long the they
1: call it at four thirty in the afternoon they pick all night so it just doesn't affect the sugar levels yeah, yeah i mean we
3: harvest at night but we harvest at night you know five nights a week over yeah. ten weeks so it, it's it's that. Which also is, is very feasible for us logistically and everything else. It's a slow, deliberate, steady, like boom 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 boom. It's like a tasting menu in a restaurant, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's small bites over a long period. It's like That's how laundry. we approach it. Is Pops. <laughs> Pops. It is. Yeah. yeah.
2: saying earlier, my background into wine was I had a wellness background and I always saw these parallels between wine and wellness. Uh-huh. like, And not wellness and like eat well and exercise, but more kind of the whole spirit of wellness, oh, sure. That's three dimensional. And so every time I'd sit down with winemakers, I'd be these parallels and I feel, sitting here today in your spirit and how you're talking about the grapes and the vines and the soil, I mean, to me it's a perfect example of oh, that marriage. You. And I, I don't even know if you're aware of that, but you have a great awareness and to kind of that spirit of the earth and a person oh thank you yeah That's awesome very, i love thank it you. it's really unique i do too and the wines show it <laughs>
1: <laughs> so kind of learning you know in all my wine studies and uh that i've always heard this kind of elusive sinquinon uh famous ventura Rhone style wine do you know much about it
3: yeah, a lot, yeah. Oh you do um, about it, would you please they're, they're beautiful. The wines are beautiful. Manford and Elaine Crankel are gracious, beautiful, awesome people and they are very intense and they've just pursued perfection, really, and passion and no stone unturned and deliberate and careful and mindful and the the wines the wines reflect that they're they're big and intense and light and i mean they're they're incredible everything they do is incredible and the intent behind everything they do is so pure and so singular and that's why the wines resonate as they do with all of their client base the media even wine writers that you know, sometimes they're more partisan as far mm-hmm. as style. I mean, there's yeah. some people that prefer wines that are kind of lighter, brighter, cleaner, and some that yeah. like wines that are more dirty, come-hither, nasty, hedonistic, whatever. Yeah. Um, and you, you typically know, it's like, okay, he or she's gonna like this or not like that. And and there's a pretty unanimous appreciation of what they have accomplished there. And they've earned every single Would you accolade. say it's one
1: of the top wines in the in world? The, on the planet, yeah. for sure. On the planet.
3: Oh yeah, for sure, yeah. And they're the coolest people. I mean, there's everything about it is what you want it to be.
2: So I mean, we have loved your wines. We would love to let people know how they can get your wine. Sure, of course. <laughs> I mean, because I know Lou and I are going to be taking some. We don't want to, you know, let our listeners.
1: I'm going to back the. I'm going to back the SUV up to the back here.
3: Um, yeah. So so really say all over but but nationally you know we're distributed in all 50 states which is great um typically you know in california it's a little easier to come by you know with like specialty grocery and that type of thing um and then independent retail like most of them will have it okay and then as you get further away it gets a little bit trickier Mm -hmm. but but typically any state you know any wine merchant you know smallish independent retail um frequently has it, if not, have easy access to it, um, and of course through us. That's really the best way, you yeah, know. And okay. so, and we'll put your link
1: on the bottom of this. That's great. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. You're at
3: BrewerClifton.com, you know, and okay. and then my email is brewerclifton.com. People can email me. We'll figure it out. But but it's so that's for you know we, we, in the in the case of the wines, you know, in the marketplace is typically um, like the BrewerClifton Chardonnay and Pinot and this diatom, and then you know with our mailing list. Or just off our website, then all the smaller things and older things and vineyard designates, okay. And that's simply a phone call or an email, click away, right? It's all listed. It's all there. Accolades. You know, we do our best to kind of make shipping, you know, easy for people and cold yeah. if it's a hot time of year or whatever. And so, that's really, you know, that's the easiest in some ways, especially now with people kind of a little more confined to their mm-hmm. geographic, you know, circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the easiest. It's just to, to kind of let us bring it to you and yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Well,
1: You know, Meredith. Every oh now and gosh. then, you get in the presence of a rock star.
2: And that is so true here. <laughs> Guys,
1: if you don't subscribe and, and like this podcast, and, uh, just delete us.
2: And if go to <laughs> don't delete me. Or, <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> go, to, go check out Brewer Clifton website. But also, if you're down in this, if you're in Santa Inez, this area, you get to Santa Barbara County. Come visit this beautiful tasting room. Fantastic oh wines.
1: This is where the best. You walk out
2: of here feeling like not only is your palate filled, but like your soul is filled mm-hmm. up. It's Great. we cannot fantastic. thank you
1: enough. We you love you all for coming this opportunity. Thank you so much. Yes, thanks for the thank consideration.
3: You.
0: As always, thanks for listening to another episode of Major Crush. This episode wouldn't be complete without a shout out to Adam Lee, the winemaker from episode 1 who introduced us to Greg Brewer. But we also want to remind you to check out the show notes for this episode to find out how you can order some of these spectacular wines for yourself. One more thing before we go, very soon we'll be making an announcement that pertains to the future of Major Crush and the Major Crush Podcast. So be sure to subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. We want to make sure you're already following us into the next phase where we make it easier and more fun to directly access the wines that Meredith and Lou are crushing on. Until next time!